just seeing what would happen yeah. if, you, if you hit the road and tried to live on your bike because you know if you if you're living in a certain life and you and you're sitting you sort of look the grass is always greener right mm. you might have a this idea like you 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 painted that picture jordan of the this traditional success story right you know you, you accumulate stuff you you have uh, you get married you yeah. have children and all this sort of stuff but um you know it's that's fine and it works for a lot of people you get yes. the next promotion and you earn more money you get more stuff you get a bigger house and you know maybe that works for a lot of people but what if it doesn't yeah. um do people just step into that blindly and go okay well this is the game that we have to play yeah or do they think about it and go well what actually works for me what's important yeah. for me yeah. Hey everyone, Jordan here. Thanks so much for listening into another episode of the Giro podcast. Um, it's great to have you here. If you haven't listened to previous episodes, please do. Please go and check them out. We really enjoyed this one sitting down with Jesse and Sarah. They're just two lovely people who have uh, an unparalleled insight into, into all things cycling, into all things ultra. They have a real sort of uh, you know, passion and love uh, for cycling, which is so infectious. Um, of course, during this lockdown time, we can't be face to face, so we've had to do it over Skype. The audio quality isn't ideal, um, but don't let that detract away from, from this great podcast and this great conversation with these two fine people. All right, enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Thank you for joining for another episode of the Giro podcast. Uh, I am joined with two of the world's finest people, uh, Jesse and Sarah, all the way from, <laughs> there you are, all the way from um, Melbourne, Australia. Hey, guys. Hi, how are you going? Hey, Jordan. How's yeah. it, Oak? How's it, Oak? Yep. How's it, Oak? <laughs> yeah, we want this to be an international flavor, so as many dialects as possible, please. Um <laughs> So, hey, guys, thank you for joining me uh, on this podcast. Um, look, you know, we've I've been, you know, through Jira, been working with Curve for uh, what, four or five years now or something like that. And and Jesse, you and I had the chance to sort of ride together in South Africa last year. And Sarah, this is the first time we've we've met, it is. It which is. is which just seems criminal. No, we know each other through the internet. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're we're, <laughs> we're, 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 we're social buddies. Yeah. Um, as two people, uh, I'm just you know sort of fascinated by your stories, and I, you know I think that conversation today will just be pretty interesting for a lot of people. We'll see. You we'll never see. know. We're, we're probably we're, we're a lot more boring than we make out. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, no we've um. Yeah, the world the world's kind of shrunk a little bit in a way for everyone since yeah. we last caught up. We yeah. we um I was lucky enough to ride with you, Jordan, in South Africa yeah. early last year. And we climbed up Sani Pass and went into Lesotho and we battled into the altitude and oh, I remember hey, us a having day. a heart to heart. What a day that heart. was. <laughs> Jordan, you were like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, mate, when are you Next, going to be in this yeah. position. When are you going to be here again? And you're like, you can, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And we got to the top of Black Mountain. Oh, mate, what a day that was. Yeah, we, we got through it. Um, but yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago because hey, things geez. are, I mean, we couldn't, you know, rewind to the start of 2019. We could have just jumped on a plane if we were, you know, lucky enough to have some money in our pockets. We could yeah. jump on a plane go anywhere and piss around on our bikes and have lots of fun and you know fast forward to now and 
I can't. We can't even go to the next state. Yeah, I know. Crazy. So, other states in Australia, you know, lambasting us here in Victoria, calling Victoria. us Victoria. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, we can't go. Um, you know, five hundred kilometers to cross yeah. the border into so, South Australia. So. I mean, obviously, we'll get into more of your kind of story, but, you know, the last kind of year, you've spent quite a lot of time traveling around, you know, exploring, you know, and adventuring around different parts of Australia. So, I mean, gosh, how have the last few months of lockdown been for you? It's, it was nice to come home initially, but it's so easy to kind of fall back into that, that trap of just the, the daily grind. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what's been a bit of a bit of a challenge and just feeling like you are kind of closed in. And we, we had plans initially that, you know, we were going to try and travel a bit more around Australia while we could. But, um, yeah, the borders just keep closing and the opportunities keep shrinking. And yeah. so we're kind of, kind of back to a normal, almost normal existence. Well, yeah, sure. I say unquote, normal. Quote, unquote normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, what we were doing before we left. So we're both back working and you know, okay. riding the loops and trying to make the most of the weekends. But um, it's hard to plan at the yeah. moment too because we just don't know what's going to happen. Like we can't go overseas. We're hoping New Zealand might open their, their doors soon. So oh, really? okay. it's, um, it's very different to where we were a year ago. We were in we didn't, we were still in Alice Springs, I think. Yeah, we're probably in Alice Springs this yeah. summer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a very... Very different, um, very different world when we left. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. But it's it's interesting. So um, we've been, yeah, we're lucky enough. We're lucky to have all this freedom, um, which makes things pretty cool. So if we if we feel a bit claustrophobic um, hanging out in Melbourne, well then we can up and go and go for a bit of a tour around the place. Um, but uh, the thing is, we're you know, it's not one of those things where you just, um, you know, you're, you're sort of upset because you, you can't go and travel. I mean, there's bigger yeah, things. Yeah, absolutely right. right. Yeah, yeah. right. So, so it's interesting. Like we started the whole thing where we, we kind of, um, you know, got rid of everything and wanted to live on our bikes for a while um, and just see how that would go. So we thought we'd just try that as a bit of an experiment. Um, and that was what we were doing last year. Like we weren't, we didn't, you know, save up a big war chest of money or anything. And hit the road mm-hmm. on a big holiday. Yeah. We, um, we gave we just, everything away. Yeah, we, got, so we didn't well, make any money. Yeah, we got rid of stuff, <laughs> and we just wanted to try, you know, living on our bikes for a while to see what happened. So it wasn't, um, you know. So we thought, okay, well, if we, I was, I was sort of lucky enough to be able to work uh, remotely a couple of days a week, um, and so as long as we could get some internet and so on, I could do that um, a couple of days a week, and. Yeah, Sarah managed to pick up some work along yeah. the way too, and so it was all a bit of a, it was a bit of a suck it and see approach. We thought, okay, we'll see what happens if we go and do that. Um, wonder what what would happen. We'll try to live differently for a little bit. I'm so glad you brought this up because I've, this is one of the things I wanted to talk about. So we, when we were in, so we've already referenced it, but the beginning of 2019 joined sort of sure. you, Jesse, and a few of the Curve crew out in um, South Africa with Benki. And, uh, you know, like a week's riding. Well, you guys, you guys have been there for a week before, but then we joined you. And Jesse, that was the first time you and I had sort of, you know, spent some time together. And you were talking about this idea and this plan of of uh essentially giving everything away and you know 
living out of just out on your bikes in and and I remember being so and I'm it's funny I, I spoke to I, I think it was like the second or third night we were there and you were talking about it and I, I, I was speaking to my wife Hannah on the phone and I remember just being so impacted by you know that kind of vision that you've had of of just wanting to kind of just live this simple life because unfortunately it's so far removed from everything else that we're exposed to and we're you know from like a young age we're exposed to this kind of understanding of quote-unquote success and you know you accumulate things and you accumulate you know like a house or a flat and then a house and then a bigger house with a garden and then a garage and you know there's this kind of the stepping stones of quote unquote success and what it is to be a human. And, and it was so refreshing and it was so impactful to spend some time with you and you going, no, we just want to, we just, we, all that stuff doesn't mean anything. You know, I've spent time accumulating stuff, but we realize it doesn't mean anything. And we just want to go in and live a simple life. And, and you guys did it. And you guys obviously, you guys are still in the process of doing it. Of course, lockdowns had a, a, a another a, a, another say. But I mean, maybe you can kind of the two of you can share a bit about how you got to that kind of resolve in your heart of 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 you know this. We need to we need to do this. We need to go exploring. <laughs> I was terrified. Oh really? Well, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, I Jesse. Jesse was probably the driver of. Like, I want to do this and I think we should do this and then the seed was kind of planted. And, yeah, I I would walk through my house constantly and just walk past all these items that I'd built up in a four-bedroom house that I had on my own going, when was the last time I used that? Have I ever used that? You know, yeah. you, you build up all this stuff and you start to question what you're doing. And I was always constantly unsettled, but the thought of stepping outside of this kind of comfort zone bubble that I had created to yeah. terrify me. So yeah. even up until the last night when we were sitting in the house and there was no furniture in there or any takeaway on the floor and it was like the day before we caught a plane to our next life, yeah, um, yeah it was still a lot of nerves for me. Um, and I think it took probably a good six months or more into when we actually started hitting the road before I kind of got comfortable yeah. with the idea. Um, so I was probably a bit of a harder sell initially, like but part of it was just seeing what would happen yeah. if, you, yeah, sure. if you hit the road and tried to live on your bike. Because you know, if you if you're living in a certain life and you and you're sitting, you're sort of looking. The grass is always greener, right? Mm. You might have a this idea, like you 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 painted that picture, Jordan, of the this traditional success story, right? Mm. You know, yeah. you, you accumulate stuff. You you have uh, you get married you yeah. have children and all this sort of stuff but um, you know it's that's fine and it works for a lot of people you get yes. the next promotion and you earn more money you get more stuff you get a bigger house and you know maybe that works for a lot of people but what if it doesn't yeah. um, do people just step into that blindly and go okay well this is the game that we have to play yeah or do they think about it and go well what actually works for me what's important yeah. for me yeah, yeah. Um, and so. Oh. Yeah, like everyone chooses their yeah, path. Yeah, totally. So we, we just thought, okay, it might be a bit of fun to try mm. try to live differently for a while. And the thing is, it's not, you know, we don't we don't think we know all the answers, but we thought, okay, well, we're in a position where we could we could give it a shot and, and just to see what would happen. Yeah. And you'd be surprised what happens, all right? Yeah. Because the thing is, 
it's, people look at that this sort of life and go, okay, well, you, you're just bumming around on a bike, yeah. right? But um, <laughs> but the thing is, what what happens when I don't? I really don't think that. Um, I really think most people wouldn't be able to cope with that ultimate, that that absolute freedom. Yes, that freedom can be terrifying for people yes. because imagine people. I don't think realize that they have all these distractions in their lives, yeah. right? So you you catch up with friends, you turn on the TV, you have all this noise, you go to work. But what, what would happen if that was all suddenly gone? You were sitting yeah. in a tent in the morning, yeah, and you had absolute freedom as to where you were going um, over the next week, two weeks, three weeks. There's no TV. There's no phone reception. There's none of that. There's no noise. There's no distraction. You're just alone with your thoughts. There's nothing to distract you. So what, what happens when you have all that freedom? What Jess is actually on? saying, fucking <laughs> the meltdown that I had for the first time. And everything you said now is exactly what I went through. I'm, yeah. As much as I was all for the idea, I knew the biggest test for me was being able to deal with my head noise, as I call it. Yeah. And for yeah. me, that was so difficult to come to grips with having freedom because I've always managed to keep myself occupied with writing, jobs, hobbies, all that kind of stuff so that I didn't have to deal with whatever was going on yeah, in sure. my head yeah, just sure. from day to day. So yeah. for me, the first few months were, they were really tough and you yeah. post pretty pictures on Instagram and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, you're doing nice bike rides. I didn't post the photos of the tantrums or the tears <laughs> or, or the day that I just couldn't ride because I just couldn't deal with all these emotions that yeah. I was going through. And um, it took it took its toll yeah, for a while on both of us. Um, and we were, I was questioning whether this was the right decision, but I knew that I didn't want to go back to where I was. Yeah. We kind of hoped together that it was going to be like a cleansing thing for me. So getting everything out in the open and dealing with it and mm. accepting that I have this freedom and I still have a really difficult time with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm someone that likes to be busy, be yeah. distracted. But since kind of coming back home yeah. or coming back to Melbourne, because yeah. um, yeah. wherever we are on the road, um, Nice. Yeah, it's I, I miss being out there now. Yeah. So it's kind of done a full flip. But yeah, it's I would find a lot of people would find it so confronting to give up all uh, the distractions and the things and the stuff that just kind of keeps mm -hmm. us from experiencing. I guess there's a lot of comfort in having all those distractions. Yeah. That, yes. that I don't think people people might understand. Yeah. But um, yeah. The other thing that was, so that was interesting, like dealing with dealing with that freedom, right? Yeah. That's a tricky yeah. thing. Um, but the the other part that was interesting is the concept of home. Yeah. And what is what does home mean? So Sarah brought that up then. Yeah. What does home yeah. mean? And yeah. so I think um, Sarah and I were both having moments where we're feeling a bit unsettled because you know, for instance, if I think Sarah was having a, a difficult time in back in day-to-day -day life when we had a house, mm. you could retreat to your your house. You could mm. hide out in your cave and and you know you could you could deal with whatever you had to and yeah. and yeah. things would be sorted out by the time you you had to face other people again. Well, you deal with stuff. Yeah. yeah, totally. So Jesse and I, we spent a lot of time together, mm. but we've never spent twenty-four hours, seven days a week together. Mm. Yeah, so course. if I was having a bad day, I could just deal with it at home and yeah. be all. Yeah. 
rainbows and sunshine when he yeah. gets back that night for dinner. So all of a sudden, he's seen another part of my personality. <laughs> and it's just, but it is. It's um, yeah. For me, it was not having that bubble and realizing that I should have security with us together yeah. on the road, and that took time. So we we kind of realized that. So with the concept of home. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it sounds simple. Like home, home for us is wherever we are, yeah. right? Home is, or like we're together, then we're at home. Um, yeah. And so we had a, and I think it, it helped having a bit of a process. And we try to create a process where yeah. when we'd stop and set up our tent, we were yeah. kind of creating a home. Yeah. So what would happen is we both have different things we'd want to do at the end of the day when we're riding, for example. So um, I could sit down and start preparing food. Um, whereas Sarah could change her clothes and she'd set up the tent and make sure the you know get the get all the bedding set up and and make it like a home, yeah. do some stretching right. and that sort of stuff. And um, and I, I, I'll be doing some cooking. So, but that was an important part of yeah. like that's it's kind of feels like you're creating a yeah. you're creating your little home. Yeah. And so, yeah. So you have a bit of a routine around that. Yeah, your, your, your jobs. And, he always got up in the morning to get coffee when it was freezing cold. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was an easy job to give him. <laughs> so, but yeah, the concept of home was an interesting learning as well yeah. out of this. Like, what does freedom mean? So, what does freedom mean? How do you deal with it? Yeah. Um, what is, what's home? What does yeah. home mean? That's, that's another really interesting thing that came out of it. I mean, I suppose, again, you know, listening to you speak now, I, it's just something that I find just incredibly inspiring. And, and Sarah, I really applaud your courage, you know, for actually doing it because, and, and, I, and I mean that, I mean, because how many, how many people are maybe faced with that decision and maybe not going out and living on a bike in the middle of, of the outback, but that kind of confronting that confronting those fears and how many people don't cross that threshold and the fact that you were able to and you're still on that journey is amazing and i just think like i I mean everything you're saying you're very much kind of speaking a language that i that really resonates with me about that confronting pure truth you know no matter how scary it is and not letting these distractions essentially pull you away from who you are as a person who you are with 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 those close to you you know i mean because even in our kind of you know homes that we build in our kind of like you know western kind of you know civilized world the homes are often just filled with distractions and the but you remove all of that and and all of those distractions and what you left with, you're left with yourself. And I just, I suppose I just find the fact that you guys have done it on, on bikes, adventuring, just very, you know, very romantic, you know, very, you know, it's, it's very powerful that it's just something so simple of, you know, two wheels, a shitload of bags, <laughs> and yeah. some, some very wide handlebars and, 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 and yourselves, you know, and, and you know off you go and i I just find that and i I mean you know obviously jesse we were discussing this and you were talking about this as a plan and it's been really fun kind of following your journey or you know both of your journey um uh you know since because it was an idea and then you made it reality everybody waved you off um and yeah i just think it's great man so so thank you and well done yeah 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 i just kind of maybe want to sort of loop sort of back a bit to kind of maybe kind of where because we're talking about right now but maybe kind of where it began so 
um, for for those of you listening who sort of aren't aware, Jesse is one of the founders of Curve, which is you know obviously a brand that we've been working with here at the the shop for you know, four or five years now, and um, so maybe Jesse just kind of unpack a bit how Curve or how your involvement with Curve came about. Um, and then we can talk about some of your kind of ultra experiences and what's what's led us to Victoria. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, um, Curve kind of started, I guess, through um, you know good old Aussie mateship. To be honest, yeah, um, good mate of mine growing up, Steve Varga. Um, we grew up together in Adelaide, southern suburbs of Adelaide. We used to race well. I used to race BMX. Um, Steve used to ride trails. Um, and yeah, both used to build jumps and all that sort of stuff, right? So um, we're good mates for, you know, for, forever, right? Um, so I moved over to Melbourne to study. Steve moved over to Melbourne later on. Um, and so I, w- I started a path down, you know, corporate, corporate jobs and that sort of thing and ended yeah. up doing some private equity. And Steve would always have these crazy ideas. He'd always yeah. pitch these weird ideas to me, and <laughs> they were they were usually really crazy. Um, and I'd just be trying to be polite and and um, shut them down <laughs> and say, "Mate, you're just wasting your time." <laughs> um, but then, um, with when it came to curb, there was a there was an idea about um, we originally were looking at carbon wheels, mm. um, and it was a time when this was a long time ago, like twenty. 2011, 2012, when carbon wheels were kind of reasonably new but getting mature in terms of technology yeah. and the pricing of them was astronomical. And, and so we're sort of looking at, okay, well, can we start sourcing some carbon carbon wheels and do it at a fair price and mm. can we explore different suppliers and see how we go and try to make something that works? So mm. we kind of started with wheels. So Steve had this grand plan that was that was everything and together we kind of went, okay, well, We'll start with wheels. Let's look at wheels, right? That's always my well, I'm the I'm always the pessimist, the realist, right? Let's yeah. see if we can do wheels first yeah, and then we'll um, but so we, we kind of boiled it down and, and, and started with wheels because you know when you get a bike, so I was at that time I was racing mountain bikes, endurance mountain bike stuff, you know, mm. six hour, twenty four hour races and mm. we had a team um, and the first thing you do when you got a bike was you chuck the wheels out and get a real set of wheels. Yeah, sure, so sure, sure. It was like if, you, if you're not getting a, if you're not buying a bike, yeah, it still happens, right? So, um, so that was the idea. Wheels are the first upgrade you make to a bike to make it better. So if we're not doing bikes, we're doing wheels. So, um, and then the other part of it was I was starting to do longer and longer events. So in all the training rides I was doing for these um, ultra for the um, you know, six hour, 24 hour races, mm. marathon mm. races, I'd be doing more and more sort of backcountry rides. Mm. I'd look at the next ridge line and go, I wonder where that goes. Mm. And so the next weekend I'd head out there and check that out. And then mm. the ride suddenly got longer. And then suddenly if they were too long, you had to stay out overnight. And then suddenly the rides were just getting a bit out of hand and, you know, classic case of probably hanging out with the wrong people because no one was saying no. <laughs> um, and things just got a bit out of hand. And so suddenly you're on the starting blocks of the Tour Divide. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was like the test ride for our wheels. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, okay so because in that process of doing all this stuff, you get let down. We put our stuff through the ringer. The longer the event, the more abuse your bikes and, and all your equipment get. So, 
and we've been let down by bad products in the past and it's horrible to get yeah. let down by bad products and then yeah. if you're doing something like the tour divide where you've trained and you've bought all this other stuff and you've taken all this time off work and you've convinced the the family that it's worth you know indulging in and then you go over there and you do it and you don't want to be let down by you know a head stem or something like that yeah of course the, the issue of, of a bad product is amplified when you're doing mm. these things mm. it's not like you're riding around in circles for three hours yeah it's like you've invested a lot of your life into trying to do something yeah um, so the whole thing was all right no no bad products we want to have we want to make sure everything we're making we're writing ourselves so mm. that was kind of like the origin of it yeah. um and then we we kind of fast forward a little bit and then it seemed like we started researching titanium bikes because we love titanium bikes and mm. it just fit the fit the market a bit better we couldn't really find the style of bike that we wanted yeah and you know, you want a carbon bike. There's so many of them out there. We can point you to fantastic carbon bikes, but um, we thought, oh, well, maybe we can make some tie bikes that are going to do do the the stuff that we want them to do. So the test ride for our tie bikes, the first bike we had was a Belgian disc. Test yeah. ride for that was the Trans America bike race, yeah, which I did in 2015. Nice easy one. Nice easy one to uh, to get started. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was 6,800 kilometers across the US um, yeah. from the yeah the west coast to the east coast. So that was the test ride for the Belgi disc. So we got through that. I uh, got through that and went, okay, well, that's a, the bike's good. We can see, we can sell got that. got through it. He won it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got through I know. The, this dude's so yeah, humble. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You won it. That's right. First, first time trying. Yeah, yeah, got it. <laughs> got through. But the whole premise, the whole premise of it was like no, no crap products. We, we, we're making the bikes that we want to ride. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we've kind of like found ourselves in that little niche of, of I guess, adventure cycling or ultra endurance stuff. Um, and it's kind of cool because there's a story behind all the bikes. Yeah, yeah, it's 100%. like, when it sounds, this sounds kind of, it sounds kind of, um, I don't know, might sound a bit corny, but when you've ridden across a country on a bike, you've got this, it's got this nostalgia about yeah. it. You hop back on it again. It's not just bits of metal welded together. Yeah. It's, oh, I, I, know, complete, I completely agree. Yes, it's your mate. Like so, I just so we've got some new bikes coming in here, and so as part of that, you know, I made the difficult decision to kind of sell sell my 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 curve, my Colin. Oh man, and I was like, <laughs> yes, Colin. Colin, Colin. He's like that, that, that's his name. Like he's my. He's like my one of my closest friends. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I was I was genuinely heartbroken. I was like, oh man. And like fortunately he's gonna be local. But man, I felt like I was still, still catch up for a beer. Like. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's not just I mean, you're absolutely right. There is a nostalgia to it. And I'm sure, you know, you kind of, you know, you're putting something on it, but it's not just a bite. There's the the adventures you have on it, you know, it's, it, it becomes a part of your life, a part of your existence. And uh, yeah, yeah. And so part of it is like you don't have to be riding across countries or doing all this sort of stuff, but it's kind of cool to know that it, it the bike can do it. Yeah, like the bike's been there. It's, it's sort of yeah. built into the DNA of it. it can, yeah. It's got that. It's got that adventure built into it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, and that's kind of cool in in all the the stuff that we've been doing. Like it's, I think of other brands. Like if I think of if I think of um, you know just 
any big brand like Specialized or Canada mm. or something, I can't picture who does who is Specialized. Like, what do they? What does yeah. what does Specialized look like? Who are they? Yeah. But yeah. you know, we kind of putting yeah. ourselves out there. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. if there's a problem, yeah, you, you know, poor yeah. Ryan and uh-huh. us, or you know, usually Ryan's got to stump up and look the yeah. look the yeah. poor yeah. person yeah. in the face and say, "Oh, look, man, I'm sorry." You know, yeah, like yeah. it's yeah. it's. It's just us, the, the bikes that we ride ourselves, yeah. um, the, yeah. building the bikes that we want to ride. Yeah. Um, and, and we, yeah, we give them a good, yeah. a good flogging, that's for sure. But I think that's what's so important about that. And, and certainly, what, you know, from my standpoint, what's been great working with, with, with you guys and just kind of being a part of the curve kind of community and family is that whenever somebody buys a bike, they feel a part of something. And it's not just it's not just a transaction, and then you get this kind of you know kind of thing at the end of it. you're actually being a part of that story. So you know that you know you can you know rock up on the you know whether it's on a local kind of ride, and there's someone else that's got a curve. There's a bit of oh okay cool, um, the secret handshake, uh, <laughs> and then you know the, the you know at the same token you can you know line up on the start of a race perhaps you know next to one of you guys or perhaps next to kind of rhino or you know and, and there's a there's something more about it which is oh uh, yeah it, it's great uh, it's been really cool as well with um we've been super lucky to have ryan on board working yeah, with us because well. um i mean without ryan we wouldn't we wouldn't have gotten to know you as well yeah. jordan yeah. and um and i think that's part of the the way we've tried to grow the business too like we're not we're not trying to find, um, you know, high volume, deal at the right margin, all this sort of stuff. Like we want to try to find people who are like-minded, yeah. you know, fun to work with, um, kind of get what we're all trying to do and can be part of it too. Mm. So, and I think it's, that means we probably, we might grow a bit slower um, or maybe, maybe we'll never grow, but we're trying to find the right, you know, we'll yeah. always, always be trying to find the right people to work with. Yeah. I think that kind of reflects Ryan's personality yeah. as well. He's such Absolutely. a lovely yeah. guy and yeah. wants to try to work with the the with like-minded people and, yeah. and that sort of thing. so that's been pretty cool and it yeah. kind of flows to the to the other people who've been riding with us um as well mm. so it's been it's been pretty cool having um like sarah has also done remarkable stuff mm. on the bike as well and, and part of the the cool thing that we've got um here too is that it's like we're not um i think it's it's not just a it's just not not another bloke fest sort of yeah. thing yeah. <laughs> as well. We're trying to, we're, we're really trying to, um, with all the stuff that we do, a, a good measure of success in what we do is when we look around and we don't see the same, you yeah. know, the same faces at, at the, the ride that we've organized, you know, the yeah, measure absolutely. of success, all shapes and sizes, um, trying to, trying to get it out there and have a bit of fun, trying yeah. to find a bit of adventure. Well, it's very authentic to you um, and, to, and to you guys and, and what, you, what, you're, what you're doing. So, so, Sarah, so how did you kind of fall into the curve sphere? Um, I, I guess I kind of went in hard as well with my first long ride. <laughs> and it was, it was Jesse so, and I met. Sorry? So your first long ride was the Tour de Vibe, is that right? Oh, Trans Am, no, sorry, Trans Am, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't done. I've been trying to do the tour divide. Yeah, but that was that was on the list again for this year. And Sarah's like classic roadie. She's she was never going to touch. Yeah. An Not a chance. I was ever going to ride dirt. It That's was so funny. Um, and now I 
I can't handle being on the road. Um, so but, yeah, I, um, I met Jesse briefly just on a, one of the Rafford Gentlemen's rides like seven or eight years ago maybe. Yeah, And then um, kind of, you know, bumped into each other now and then on gravel rides and then he went, and, went off and did Trans Am. Mm. And I was kind of like, at that point, I think I'd, my biggest ride was like an Everesting. Yeah. So I was like, what can I do next? Yeah. Um, bit of a jump, but I was kind of like, oh, maybe I could do something like that. So I kind of reached out to Jesse at that time. And I know from my own personal experience, you just constantly get messages from people saying, hey, I want to do a race. And, yeah. you know, maybe one in 20 people are really keen on doing that. And Jesse listened and I guess – saw that I was genuinely interested in taking it on and kind of helped me prepare for it. And I guess the rest of it kind of just fell into place. So I was riding a, a, who did I have at that point, a focus at that time. So, um, and obviously with the help that Jesse gave me was um, also getting me on a better bike. So I was on the Belgie as well. So I was on the same same frame set he was on the first one that was um, released. So that was, yeah, that was wonderful to ride. And, again, for me, that frame is super sentimental. Yeah. I don't ride on the road anymore. Um, it gets used for Zwift, I think, mostly. <laughs> um, but um, I I can't part with that frame. No, of course. It's, um, it's had a few facelifts. It, oh, it also it also featured in the, Indy, the Indian Pacific Wheel Race. So it did oh, get cool. a second second spin that's when i was still a roadie um i was dabbling with racing to uluru in between um but um yeah that's i kind of just came into curve that way so it was yeah jesse jesse kind of helping me with the race you know i got to meet all the guys um i don't think rhino was really part of it then so that was yeah pre-rhino days um and yeah and then obviously yeah kind of any bike that came out, I was test riding for races, and then obviously, eventually, yeah, mm-hmm. we got together. So, <laughs> yeah, after Sarah did the Trans Am, yeah, um, there was an opportunity to do the first race at the Rock. Yeah. yeah, I decided eight days, seven or eight days before it was happening because yeah. I, I was not happy with my Trans Am ride. Um, I just, yeah, I rode like an idiot. For about seven days, blew myself up and then okay. crawled to the finishing line. So, um, so she was looking yeah. for redemption. Yeah, I, yeah, I look. I didn't. I didn't ride horribly, but yeah. you know that boys I was talking about before. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. came a lot of that. So everyone's like, "Oh yeah, you did really well," and I'm like, "I didn't. It was shit. It was yeah. Horrible. It was a terrible." Ride. So I decided, you know, eight days before race for the rock that I'd see if I could ride or race dirt. With no experience, been on a mountain bike maybe twice. Yeah, third mountain bike ride, I think. Yeah. So just and, just to kind of interject here, so so it's probably for any listeners that we have here who kind of don't know what we're talking about. So I'll kind of give a bit of background to kind of my sort of understanding and first kind of intro into this kind of world of kind of ultra sort of cycling. So yeah, um, one of our regular riders, um, Matt Falconer or Birdman. Yeah. Um, he's now a curve K 
Curve ambassador, a Curve rider. Um, but before he was riding Curve, we were out on a shop ride. I think this was back in like 2014, a shop ride from Giro. And uh, he goes, oh, you know, super pumped. He's like, I've got a place in the TCR. And I was like, what the hell is that? I mean, I mean, this was this was back in 2014, so I had no clue what he was talking about. And of course, so he explained, and then opened up this world of 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 ultra riding. And Jesse, you did your Trans Am in 20 or Tour Divide in 2015, or or Trans Am in 2015. Yeah, Trans Am was 2015. I did yeah. the Tour Divide in 2013. Yeah, yeah sure. So, I mean, it, it's a lot more established now. And there's certainly in the cycling world, people understand more of kind of what these races. But back then, it was very small. I think when Matt showed up to the start line in 2014, there was only a couple hundred people. Whereas now, I think it's like up to five or something like that. Um, so, and, you know, that's it's a ballot entry as well. You know, it's not a, you know, it's not a first come, first serve. Um, and... So obviously there's a lot of these ultra races that are both on-road and off-road. And of course, the one that we're talking about now, Race the Rock, is an off-road, uh, just a beast of a ride from Adelaide, is that, if I'm correct? Well, we, we kind of started, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, so I kind of organise it as well. So it starts from different places around around Australia, but it always finishes at Uluru, Uluru as Rock. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... So that's that's the idea. Four yeah. different locations so, so far. Yeah, we're going. Points. So this year will be the fifth fifth running of yep. it, um, wow. and we're going back to back to the original yeah, right. starting point. So we'll start in Adelaide <laughs> yeah, this fine. year, but every other year it started somewhere else. So yeah. we, first year was Adelaide, second year was Tasmania, was Albany, oh, no, Albany. In Western Australia. Albany, sorry. We started in Tasmania, which yeah. included a bit of a either a boat ride or a plane, plane trip yeah. over to the mainland and a bit of a swim. Stuff. Yeah, last year it was Port Douglas up in far north Queensland. So, yeah, yeah we've mixed it up a bit. But, yeah, it always finishes at all the route. So. And so just, just set the tone a bit. Like, what are we talking about with regards to terrain and road surface or non-road surface? And what, 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 are, what are the riders having to deal with? I guess it's, it's probably very foreign for <laughs> uh, someone living in the UK or in mainland Europe yeah. because – it's the distances between services and even water. It mm. can be incredibly vast. Yeah. Um, so, for instance, in last year's race to the Rock, there were some sections that were close to were just about 500 kilometres between uh, between food yeah. opportunities to find food. And that's um, and, offering services. Yeah, and that's that's if the shops at either end are open. Yeah. Uh, course, because yeah. we're not talking about big cities. We're talking about towns with um, you know, a handful of people. Yeah. Um, and so in between those towns, it's incredibly remote. The roads are rough, rugged, corrugated. Mm. They could be sand. It could be stretches of sand, mm. 30 kilometres that you have to walk through. It yeah. could be anything. The temperatures can be incredibly hot. So last year we had temperatures into the mid-40s mm. um, and we had incredibly strong winds and um you have to have your wits about it. You need to do some research. You have to find where the water sources are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of one part bike riding, one part survival yeah. as well, where, you know, you might have to find a cattle trough and filter water out of yeah, it wow. to make it to the next town. So it's not – it's serious stuff. So while this ultra racing stuff's grown um, and people have turned it into a bit of a business and they're trying to – 
sell entries on the back of pretty pictures and so on. We try to keep the race the right thing as a bit of a bit more low key because yeah. we're scared of getting people who don't really yeah. want to be there. So if it's yeah. a bit more low key and people don't really know about it too much, the people who find it are the ones who want to want to do it. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. it's they'll, they'll more often do the research that they need to. So it is it is. Um, look, I'm painting a picture that's pretty grim, but no, you know, but it's, it, it's not. It, it, if you don't have your wits about you, yeah, that's right. So, if, yeah, if you're used to if you're used to riding around um, places with nice paved roads and towns every ten kilometres, uh, you're going to be in for a, a rude shock. That's this for isn't sure. for you. <laughs> yeah. The reason for doing it is um, that's what Australia is about. We've got yes. this thin veneer of safety around the coast, yes. and a few big cities located yes. around the place. And then once you head inland. You've just got these vast distances where there's absolutely nothing out there. I mean, you could stand on these planes where you're the tallest thing as far as you can see in any direction, and all there are is little red rocks, space rocks, T-Falls, yeah, like really. gibbers on the ground, gibber, gibber rocks. And, there's no shade. Yeah, no shade, like, no shelter. There's a storm at nighttime, and you're trying to find shelter in front of a rock. Gosh. It's just like, yeah, you're fully exposed. Mm-hmm. So, and Australia's good with... Insects, I know I bang on about it every time we talk about it, but we have a lot of flies. So there's so many components to riding through the outback or the desert yeah. desert areas. It's just like, that's what I said, like the riding's one part and like with all of these races, the rest of it's just a mental game. Like are you happy? It, it sounds like the, <laughs> the realistically, some of the hardest riding you can ever do and and Sarah, you won this thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so yes. She won. She won it three three times. So amazing. Every time she's raced, that she's won it. So that's yeah. the that's the beauty as well with these these ultra endurance races. It's sort of the whole gender thing starts yeah. to dissolve, and we've seen that in other races too. Like yeah. at the start, they're like, "Oh wow, a woman's winning," but then they get over that really quickly, and then. Yeah. Two days later, they're like, okay, Sarah's in front and then yeah. you know, so-and-so's in second. But it doesn't matter whether your, yeah. um, you know, it doesn't matter your chromosomal makeup yes. anymore. Yeah. Like it's fatigue is a real leveler. Yeah. Like if you ride for 100Ks, 200Ks, it's like powder weight at threshold, reign supreme. Yeah. But put forward yeah. into day four, forget about that. It's well, like who's overall the toughest. I was just gonna. I was just gonna reference that, and and I suppose this has been one of the the the, the things that has been so great about people understanding the 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 realistic challenges of some of these ultra races is that gender plays very very little part in it. And you reference this in your book, and we'll come on to your book in in a minute. But I, I suppose I really like, you know, how you've kind of set that out in the book. Um, in that it's the first. Well, actually, let's talk. Let's talk about the book now. Uh, I mean, so on the back of this um, kind of period of time that you guys have spent kind of out, you've been penning this book, touring with a touring with a sense of um, a sense of urgency, and it's it's amazing. Like it's essentially like it's setting essentially out a bit setting. of a, a roadmap of like this is what what kind of you know bike packing is, and you and you don't pull any punches. You know, you're pretty kind of direct to saying <laughs> like this. It, this isn't this isn't a holiday and and it, you you very quickly get to the point about how it's that kind of that internal journey such a big part of it 
And if your mind is there and your mind is strong and you are resolved as to kind of why you want to be doing this, then you're going to be fine. Um, and I think that's really important because, I mean, we've seen so often, you know, people in some of these races and we've had in the UK, you know, TCR become, you know, pretty, you know, quote unquote famous. And we have a lot of people apply for each year and, and a few of, you know, sort of our regulars will get a, a um, will get the, the go ahead and, and get an entry. Unfortunately, not many of them finish. No. Because and it's not because they're not good cyclists. It's not necessarily because they haven't trained. It's because they're just not prepared for that battle. They're not prepared for the battle in their mind and the battle of of and that and you're absolutely right. That has nothing to do with gender, um, and that's what's so beautiful about it. It's having a reason. So we talk about that in the book. We call it the why. Yeah. As in, why are you doing it? Yeah. A lot of people kind of see it just as a physical pursuit, but the there's there's so much more hanging on it like and that's something i go through when i talk about if i want to do a race and jesse yeah. will always ask me he'll be like why do you want to do it yeah if i can't come up with an answer like a yeah. clear answer or a reason and it has to be something for me it's yeah. not oh, i want to do it to show these people i can do this or i want to do it you know to make someone else happy like there needs yeah. to be something driving it yeah. and once you kind of have that it helps you helps get you to the finishing line um more than just you know thinking that yeah i'm a good rider i've done some long rides i'll go out i'll be fine yeah. so you're not fine you won't be fine Let's so. do, we, one of the things we put put in the book that we thought might be a little bit controversial was that what how do you make up the what's responsible for your performance in one of these ultra endurance oh, races yeah. unsupported <laughs> I'll change your races. Yeah. Because yeah. the unsupported part is the is pretty yes. critical in this too. Yes. Um, so we're not talking about RAM. Um, so we reckon it's about one third physical, yes. uh, one yeah. third mental, yeah. and one third that sort of package that you call experience. Yeah. Experience, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, and so that's when the, the whole reason for the book, it came out because we could spend our whole lives at, at various times, we could spend our whole lives just answering questions about which sleeping bag to buy and, yeah. you know, critiquing someone's interval plans and which tires to use for this course and, and all this sort of stuff. And so um, we thought, okay, well, let's just cut and paste yeah. the answers to all of these questions into into kind of a, a body of mm. knowledge right that mm. kind of represents what we what we reckon at this point in time because we're still learning as well like every yeah. every time we get to do one of these things we learn something more yeah. um but we thought okay well there's not much literature on this stuff out there um so why don't we just put down all the stuff that we've just been responding to people yeah. it's a bit more efficient yeah. too you can yeah. go instead of going one to one you can go one to many and yeah. and yes. um yeah we don't have all the answers but we've got a bit of experience and people seem to ask us a few questions so we thought oh well we might as well yeah. put it all down and make it available for people to look at so yeah. well i suppose i suppose from 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 my standpoint what i've enjoyed about i mean i haven't sort of got all the way through it but what i've enjoyed about what i've read so far is that and what I really admire about the two of you is that whilst you kind of very much recognize that you're still on this, you know, sort of the journey of learning about it, I think you're a lot further down the line than most people have, of, of getting to that resolve of why. And that, I think, is the most powerful thing. Because, look, your Palmares, so to speak, of kind of races and, and results is, it's you know, in my opinion, it's unparalleled. And that's great. 
but that why I think is the the, the such important thing, um, and I think that's what a lot of people can can grasp. And I, I you know, Jesse, when we were in South Africa, I, I remember one of the things I kind of took away from from that I was I, I want to say I was surprised about, but perhaps I wasn't. But you have this. You were, I think it was on the first evening, we were sat at that lovely place in, in Hilton and um, you were talking very passionately about these, these older generation of adventurers, of, you know, kind of people who were exploring Australia on bikes like hundreds of years ago, well, 100 years ago, and there was no maps and it was a simple kind of way of kind of working out almost like an equation well i've got this much water which means i can i need to try and get to the next water stop um so i'm going to go in that direction and if i can't find it by this time or this distance and i'm going to come back because otherwise i'm going to die <laughs> and, and 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 like for me it was kind of really clear to understand actually this is the why or at least a part of the why that you do it there's a, it's not just about kind of the results or the races there's this kind of sense of of exploring there's a sense of adventure that is so 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 important and i think many people just you know forget like oh well just sign up to do the tcr which you look, know, it's a great race, you know. Like I'm, I'm not kind of pointing out kind of individual races, but that if there's that kind of like why of of that, you know, it's bigger than just, it's not just the numbers. I think that's really important, and that that's certainly something that I, you know, in the first few pages of the book that you're really struck. Yeah, that's the thing. It's um, there's a there's a fascinating history of this ultra endurance cycling that's just largely been lost because yeah. of the. Yeah the rapid pace that cars took hold and all that yes. sort of thing. And that became the next thing. But um, particularly in Australia, there was this heyday of cycling back in the 1890s where yeah, wow. bikes were the fastest way to cover long distances across, uh, across land. Mm. Um, and so that much more reliable than a horse didn't need feeding all that yeah. sort of stuff. So you had all these remarkable adventurers who just um, get themselves a bike and, and see if they could make it to the other side of the country. And then, yeah. you know, races formed out of that. It's like the next question is, well, how fast can I do it? And yeah. off, it, off it went. So these guys were kind of like, um, you know, major celebrities in these towns. So it's quite funny reading the history of it. And Sarah can can sort of explain. <laughs> I just bail her up with all these stories. Yeah. <laughs> sitting there and I'll be watching Netflix and he'll just be going through all these old newspaper articles going, Check this out! Check this out! Ah, <laughs> ah, ah. So I just, uh, oh, that's so it's cool! So public, like I love hearing the stories. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Part of part of putting on these races is it's a bit of a um, bit of a personal joke in a way to try to bring this stuff back. Yeah, that was happening. Yeah, like 130 years ago. Yeah. like 130 years ago, they were basically doing what we do now. They were watching the dots, but there were no dots on yeah. the internet. They were yeah. getting telegram reports from Maricourt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they'd, they'd stick them up. Um, they'd write them down and stick them up on the newspaper office on the window, and people'd be out there at one in the morning to see how um, see how Bertels is going on his record attempt. And Gosh, there'd so be good. thousands of people turning up to cheer him on. Like the, yeah. you know, it was it's a fascinating history. So it's kind of cool in a way that that's that's come back. Um, yeah. That sense of adventures back again. But it's yeah, it is quite funny because we. I think a lot of people coming into it think, oh, they're doing something that's new and adventurous and all this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But really, we're just doing something that 
these folks were doing 120 we're doing years ago, but we're doing it in comfort and <laughs> yeah. doing it a hell of a lot easier. But yeah, the, the thing that I love is like you can see these photos like, you know, we all do it, right? We've got our bikes loaded yeah. up, you know, we're all kitted up, ready to head out on a mission. You know, when you take the photo, yeah. we're all proud. Well, that photo, the same photo, you can see them 130 years ago. Oh, They've got their bikes, so the bike bags on them, loaded up. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, that I love we've that. just come circle on it. So. The racing was a driver for, I guess, the conversation we had about – packing up and leaving too yeah. as much as I had my, my concerns one of the things that always or one of my whys that always pushed me back to going to doing another race was getting away from everything here yeah. so yeah. each time I would go out and race and you could be out there for, for two weeks you suddenly don't have any of those day-to-day responsibilities so you know answering emails social engagements mm. you know ticking boxes it was just all of a sudden all that stuff is gone yeah. and you yeah. have you have this free time and i know i spoke before about not managing with freedom but having the races was like being able to kind of dip your toes in a little bit and go wow this is amazing like this time is purely mine. No one can touch me. Like, people can call you. You're not going to answer the phone when you're out there. So each time I would come back from a race, I would get back to Melbourne or wherever we were, and I would find it really difficult to slip back in yeah, of course. So, because I wanted to be back out there. So that was, a, that was a driver for me each time a race would come up because I wanted to have that feeling again. Yeah. Have not yeah. been bogged down and been able to just have my own space and no noise. But um yeah, it's doing that for two weeks versus, you know, permanently two different things as well. But that was a big why for me. Yeah, as I mean just I'm just kind of I've I've got the book in front of me here and, and Sarah, you say um by my second race the unknown wasn't a driver anymore. Instead, it was clear that racing for me was about an escape from the noise of day-to-day life. And then you go on to say, at the end of the day, and I love you, you know, it's so simple, isn't it? At the end of the day, I'm fortunate to be able to ride and race, seeing parts of the world I've never imagined. There is no better way to explore the world than a bicycle. And it's just so nice to kind of hear that word fortunate, you know, because we, (laughs) we link so often link that word fortunate with maybe kind of looking at people that have more than us you know like oh you know like maybe you know as i say quote unquote success you know getting back to that kind of you know that cycle of the rat race you know and there's always kind of people that have more and they're the fortunate ones but what you guys are talking about and what you guys have started to write about in this book is actually we're fortunate to not have that and we're fortunate yeah. to kind of strip all that back and then to kind of go and explore the world and just to kind of go get in, 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 you know, in touch with just the simplicity of just being. And, you know, like we've had a, you know, through Jira, we've, we've been fortunate to have a few people, you know, who've come through, have become really good friends. Obviously, Jimmy Ashby is one of the guys. And then, <laughs> and, and then Gussie as well. Gus, we had Gus here for, you know, a couple of months. And what you know we did i've done um uh, podcasts with both of them but jimmy in particular and gus i mean to be honest both of them if there was a characteristic that would kind of link them to there was just this sense of calm and the sense of contentment that 
it was just so foreign because the rest of us are just so, well, I say the rest of us, <laughs> you know, the rest of us around here are just so busy, just kind of doing and so busy doing all these things. And here's, here's two young people um, that took the courage to go out and do something and just be on their own and explore the world. And Jimmy's obviously, you know, cycled around the world for crying loud. The guy's just yeah. turned 20, but he's got this sense of maturity and a sense of, of, of calm that is just unparalleled. And it's the same with Gus. He's just like, Hey Gus, how you doing? Oh yeah. Good mate. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. It's just so, so like, yeah, good. And, and that's him, you know, like whatever's going yeah. on, he'd be like, yeah, good mate. It's great. Ho hopefully he's listening. Hopefully he'll pick that one up. It's meant to be coming down to Melbourne soon, but um, oh, excellent! Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah. yeah, same with the family. But I think that calm too comes with the experience. So yeah. I know Jimmy's spoken about the changes that he went through when he first left, compared to when he finished his trip around the world. Yeah. So I think the more time you spend out there, you you kind of find that feeling of content a little bit more. Yeah. So which is why it's kind of hard when you come back to this environment again. Like I we've we've been struggling. I've been struggling. I I mean everyone is having moments of not feeling motivated and of course, yeah. with everything that's going on at the moment. But um, Jesse kind of forced me to get out last weekend. We went away for a few days and I'd forgotten what it felt like to be away because yeah. we've yeah. kind of come back to working, noise, just, you know, old responsibilities and it's just really easy to get bogged down. And as soon as we got away for the weekend, I was like, oh, oh I forgot how good this was. There's no yeah. one around, yeah. you know, it's just the, just the sound of, you know, birds and you know we're just riding all day and worry about food when we need to and it's yeah it's a lovely feeling and it's you can quickly quickly forget but um yeah hopefully not too long before we can do it again so what when did the idea for the book that you guys you know sort of wrote together when did that sort of start to kind of come about you say actually let's let's, let's put this on paper yeah been talking about it in South Australia and it was like the perfect opportunity to just kind of drill down and get, get it, it sorted. Yeah. yeah. yeah we but, did a big push, big push early this year trying to yeah. get it done. So we kind of blocked it out. Um, we sort of mapped out the, the chapters and the structure and then we kind of bullet pointed yeah. it and then filled it all out. So it was kind of a, a long mission. I mean, it, it turned into a like a 290-page monster. Mm. But yeah. <laughs> We thought, okay, well, we'll just we'll just keep spewing it out. Yeah. So, with a good editor, it could probably be about fifty pages. <laughs> well, no, I mean, look, it, just just pumping it out. So, I thought, you know, it's um, it was uh, yeah, it's a big big bit of work trying to push through and get it done. So, it's um, hopefully well, we've had some good feedback. People have been finding it useful. Um, yeah. It's been good to good to see, especially during this whole lockdown. People 
uh, period where people um, people are kind of dreaming of getting away yeah, at some course, point yeah, in the yeah. future. Um, and then they're also kind of, uh, they might be planning things in the future. And so maybe having this sort of book um, around the place can help them, you know, get some inspiration and at least think about how they might prepare for doing one of these things if they if they get a chance to in the future. So. Well, I mean, we'll we'll put a um, we'll put a, a sort of a link to the how you can buy this book in the in the description below. Um, but I mean, it's great. I mean, you, you go obviously the first couple of chapters are very much about the kind of the why, but then the uh, you know, it's, it's essentially a bible. It's a bible for uh, it covers everything. Like what do you, what should you take with you? You know, sticking to your plan, all these things of of your experiences, which I I don't think is out there. And to have it in one place is great. So. Yeah, good job. Good job, guys. Uh, we thought we'd, um, I mean, we constantly get asked for gear lists. We constantly get asked for, um, you know, why <laughs> buy this and, and why should I buy the, this and yeah. not that? So we thought, and when we were getting started as well, like um, I, you have to buy three things in order to work out which thing worked for you. Yeah, yeah sure, um, sure, sure. The thing that works for you might not work for other people, yeah, yeah, but yeah. at least you've got reason for it so that saved you know my mates a lot of ooh, a lot of time and money um along the way because i could say oh no, no this is the one that you need and this is why yeah um and so it's often hard to find that that yeah. um i guess starter kit and mm. everyone's got their own style but we try to kind of lay out why we've chosen different things and why yeah. um so then at least maybe it'll back it up maybe it'll help that's people understand yeah. it so yeah um but that's the thing i think that the whole this whole bikepacking community um, is it's a remarkable one in, in that we've found that it's been such a remarkably friendly and sharing community. So you you sort of think in in these sports, people who are, you know, at the top of the game would be like, you know, arch nemeses and, you know, see them across the road and stare them down and all this sort of stuff. But, um, you know, you might be doing a race the year after someone's done it um, and they might hold the record for it and they're sending you messages yeah. along the way, just geeing you up and, yeah. you know, trying to coach you beforehand as well, yeah. co- trying to coach you on how to break their own record, you know. Yeah. And and so they're all super supportive and you, if you ever have questions, they're um, always available and willing to have a chat. And um, so it's, it's quite remarkable. And so I think with all the – with all that knowledge that people have shared with us and then we've kind of developed into our own approach, we thought, you know, it's it's good to be able to put that down in one place and try to share it. Um, yeah. It's more efficient yeah. in that way too rather than just sending sending messages back and forth to one person. Yeah. We can just get yeah. that same information out to more people. Yeah. Maybe, it's, maybe it's a bit more accessible. So, Well, it's, it's amazing. It's a great book and uh, yeah, I'm sure there's – I mean, we'll, we'll, yeah – I know whoever picks it up is going to really just yeah benefit from it massively. Um, all right, so we'll probably start to wrap things up a smidge, but I, I can't not talk about. Well, I, I'll kind of I'll kind of phrase it another way. Again, back in South Africa, I'm sorry, Sarah, you weren't there. I keep talking about it. I'm very sorry, but it's the last I'm sorry, time. But I just went later. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I know where you rode, but I just yeah, yeah. yeah I was there. It's a shame she wasn't at Glengarry with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Glen. Yeah. Glen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I haven't. Glen. Glen. 
Sorry. Oh, man. That's all for the podcast. Oh, Glenn, Gary, those two beautiful guys. Wow. Everybody go into Duro and ask. Uh, <laughs> about oh, the Glenn, Gary story. That was fantastic. Oh, man. That's, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, actually, I actually texted Rhino about that the other day. I, 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 I don't know what. I think I was out on the bike and I thought about that. I just found myself bursting out laughing. Um, yeah, I, w- I won't share that story here, but if anybody wants to come in the shop and ask me, I'll gladly tell you. It's a, be- it's a, be- it's a beautiful story about two beautiful people. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But I did. Anyway, anyway that's another story. You know, it, 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 was, it was like six months later I found out what a fallacy it was anyway. <laughs> <laughs> never, trust, never trust a couple of Aussies uh, six <laughs> yeah oh that was so yeah. funny yeah. anyway anyway so we were um you know i think there was a bit of chit chat around the dinner table and you know a bit of small talk and someone said so jesse what's the plans for you know curve and jesse kind of you know very casually sits back in his chair and goes look guys i'm always three four years ahead in my thinking um, he lives in the future yeah yeah but i do have this idea for a 36er and everyone's like what? Like, yeah, yeah, we found a company that makes 36 wheels. We just need to find a tire manufacturer. And sure enough, the last few weeks, the <laughs> internet has has revealed Curve 36. Now, I'm a little bit disappointed we didn't stick with my name for it, Beverly. Um, oh. but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we don't, we've just got a project name at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we might, we could end up Titanosaur. with Beverly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Beverly was either going to be for the for the thirty six or the beach cruiser. So e- either or, maybe the beach yeah. cruiser. Um, so yeah, that's a good beach cruiser name. Yeah. So we'll 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 post links below. But tell us about this monster of a bike. Well, I think that curve, and I don't know if you've adopted the same motto over there, Jordan. Um, but I'm certainly trying to get this across the board here locally. Uh, we're just determined to buy the bikes that no one will ever buy Um, to to build the bikes that no one will ever buy. Sorry. Um, And so I think we might've hit the nail on the head with the Titanosaur, which is our 36er, but no, the idea, the idea behind it. So we're not new. We're not innovators by any means with this 36er. The, The 36 inch wheel bike has been around for a long time. There's plenty of brands making them. Um, and the 36-inch wheel really? is a unicycle. Yeah, there. Well, when I say plenty, you've got to dig around. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I, I like to do my research anyway. Um, but the the idea. So we've spoken a bit about um, race the rock, and mm. we've Sarah and I have both spent a hell of a lot of time on really rough, nasty, corrugated um, outback roads. And the corrugations are horrible. It's like you know being in a washing machine for thousands and thousands of cases. So. Yeah. Um, and I've experienced going from a 29-inch wheel down to a 27.5-inch wheel on these corrugations and noticed the difference. It's much okay. rougher on a smaller diameter wheel. So I thought, yeah. well, let's go the other way. Let's just go a drastically bigger wheel size, and it's probably going to roll over the corrugations a hell of a lot better. So that was the that's about as much as there is to it, to be honest. I can build yeah. it up more if you like, but, but it was so, just like – 
you know, fastest bike across the desert or expensive experiment. I don't know. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of the premise. It's like okay, over rough, flat, corrugated roads, yeah. it's got to be pretty fast. It's yeah. got to cut across. It's got to cut off the your better angle of attack for these corrugations. Bigger diameter means you're not going to feel those um, gaps between the corrugations mm. as much. Um, yet to be tested, but we've got the bike now. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we've been mucking around with it for a few weeks now. And, um, yeah, it's great fun. It's, it's pretty cool. It's something a bit different. Like yeah, of course. these, yeah, of course. these wheels are big. So if you put my bike next to a small Kevin GXR, right, the, the, <laughs> The front tire is as high as the bars. It's as high as the drop, like as high as the top. Yeah. Yeah. So the, oh. few, the few photos that you've posted up, there's one where you're staying next to it. And Jesse, you look about three foot tall. It just, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't, your mind can't quite comprehend what's going on. But then probably the best comparison photo is, I don't know if it was on, on your feed or Ryan's, but you put the uh, uh, a 650 on the front. Yeah. Oh, that, was mean, oh, that, was that was a 29er. Oh, that was 29. I mean, there you go. I mean, if it, I mean that that is the bike that everyone will buy. Like it's, <laughs> it's mix and match. Like loved it. Um but this thing's unbelievable. I, I hope it does when you get out to kind of race it across the the desert. I hope it does just shred, man. It's it's a it's a, you know, a great little project. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's there's, um, market of yeah, <laughs> there are some brands like there's a brand in the US called Dirty Sixer. They make um, their target market is NBA basketballers. So if you're seven foot two, like if you're Shaq and you want to ride a bike, yeah. you know you you're going to struggle on a standard size bike. So yeah. they build these heavy duty steel thirty six inch wheel bikes, and and these retired boring. NBA basketballers <laughs> are tearing around like kids. They're just loving it. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. There's, and as soon as I started posting these photos, I'm getting, I started getting messages from, you know, not just people doing the whole Insta buy thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but people sending yeah. messages going, "Hey, Jesse, is this for real? Like, yeah, are you yeah. serious about this? Because if so, can um, can I can I get one over here to test? I'm in Sweden, and then what is it with the Swedes? Because there are three <laughs> or four Swedes that got in touch. They wanted they wanted to ride this 36 wheel bike over. Over these nice Swedish gravel roads, and oh, so, uh, but yeah. So if you're if you're a tall if you're if you're tall, and we're getting population getting taller and taller. So there's a lot of guys out there who are six six and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, they might just feel they might not feel right on a on a standard size bike, but a thirty sixer, maybe that gets a bit more interesting. But yeah, for me, it was um, it's just more about trying to find. Uh, it's a bike that I'm interested in testing on these big outback thoroughfares that are heavily corrugated. Cause I think it might be, it might be super fast over it. I could be completely wrong, but, um, well, I, I mean, I mean you got, we're building the bikes that we want to ride. So yeah, exactly. You guys haven't been wrong so far. I mean, every bike that you've, that has been released has been on the back of, building a couple of prototypes and 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 off it goes like the gmx is a great example the gmx plus is a great example yeah yeah well the gmx plus that was the test the test ride for the gmx plus was us touring around yeah um across australia and then doing race the rock last year um you know pretty much with, with everything we own strapped to it yeah um so we know that that bike sound um so yeah. yeah, but anyway, the 36, uh, the Titanosaur that we're calling it, mm. um, 
which supposedly is the biggest dinosaur ever to exist. Oh. So hopefully we'll get out and, and I'll, I'll try to do some touring on that and see see how it goes. If we can please have a photo of um, the wonderful Joe Grace riding it, that would be excellent. That would that would that would blow some people's minds. Yeah, yeah. Joe's yeah. Joe's had a spin on it. He yeah. looks um, he looks pretty comfortable on it. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even get my leg over the top tube. So yeah. Joe can sit on the top tube and yeah. just about reach the pedals. Oh mate, well you've got you've got one of the best guys there, known to man. Joe, he's a he's a good oak. Yeah, he's taken some. He took some nice photos of it yesterday too, actually. So yeah, really. Um, hopefully, we can use those soon. Yeah. If, um, if he releases them into the wild, that'd be cool. Cool. All right, guys. Well, we'll, we'll leave it there. But um, it, hey, I love you too. It's great. It's great. Sarah, it's great to sort of meet you like, properly. Um, well, I say properly. It's great to meet through through Skype. Um, but yeah, one day. I, so, um, what's next? You've got Race the Rock. When is that? <sighs> well, Race the Rock starts. It could be interesting. <laughs> But we've always said, we've always said with these races, um, the hardest part is getting to the start line. So yeah. oh, gosh. that might actually be a bit harder this year. Um, so yeah, the race, the rock starts on the first Saturday in September every year. Um, but it could be difficult this year because the borders have an open between states yeah, so you sure. can't ride from sure. south australia into northern territory yet but that's going to open pretty soon um and but for us from us for us victorians trying to get to the start in south australia it's just not an option at the moment at the moment so oh, unless yeah, the open, um yeah we might not be able to get over there for it um but those who those who are able to get over to it um, and lucky enough to do it, then that's fantastic. Send us some photos, yeah. We've got two months, so I'm trying to be positive. Yeah, fingers crossed. The yeah, borders crossed. will be reviewed in another month, but unfortunately, um, yeah, Victoria's numbers aren't good at the moment. Yeah. So. But that'd be great because I know a lot of people have had other, other plans that have been dashed. And I know it's yeah. just, you know, it's just bike riding stuff there's bigger yeah, issues at play around the world um but you know i know a lot of people are looking forward to getting away and, yeah, and having a Zan having a bit of an adventure more locally yeah. so um they were yeah a lot of people are looking forward to it so hopefully hopefully they can still get to it um mm. but that's the thing it's pretty it's a pretty low key thing like if we we always put it out there saying okay well we go you know we're we're going to start at this time on this date and you know, we'll see you at the rock. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically it. If you want to come along, go for it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but we might not be there because maybe we can't make it and that shouldn't change your decision. You know, it's all it's all pretty loose. Um, so if, if people could do it, that's awesome. But yeah. for us, we'll, we're kind of, um, yeah, we're, we're just doing some stuff locally around, around the state in Victoria at the moment, doing a bit of riding around here. Um, like everyone, things are a bit on hold. At the moment, we're trying to work out what to do, but that's the thing. When your when your um, opportunity sets reduced, there's still some fun mm-hmm. stuff that you can do. There's some great riding. Like Victoria, is such a like it's a pretty small state in terms yeah. of Australia, but there's so many parts of Victoria that we've never been to. Oh, so really? if we wanted to go go riding around Victoria, there's there's a lot of places that we could go and have a lot of fun. So, um, but that's the thing. We're we're bunked down in Melbourne, helping out with. Uh, 
a, a couple of businesses that we're involved in and trying to help help our mates, help people locally, try to keep those businesses running and going and, you know, doing all that that stuff. So yeah, cool. trying to look out for our friends as well. So um, that's kind of what we're doing at the moment. That's where our focus is. And, um, yeah, if things open up a bit more, then get back to living on our bikes again. Yeah, cool. Well, hey, thanks, guys. It's great to spend some time with you this morning. Well, this afternoon for you guys, but this morning for me. Um, I'm looking forward to being able to see you guys face to face again soon, either down there or up here or somewhere in the middle. Who knows? Thank you. Thanks, Jordan.